Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode where we have on a guest to discuss a single stock. And today we are talking about Cloudflare for the second time with Joe Fermansky. The first one I would say was more brass tacks, kind of the basics of the business. And this goes really more into depth about each of their, he calls them acts, but different products slash platforms. Yeah. And the company calls them acts too. If you're more interested, I know when you're listening, if you're not an expert on Cloudflare, you're going to have more questions. The company has a great IR uh, uh, site, um, investor relations site, and they have a lot of good stuff with their products. We've been pretty open about it. So there's plenty to dig into if there's something that piques your interest, but yeah. This, I learned a lot about Cloudflare and I think, what would you say? Oh, yeah. We're like 50% of the way there from understanding. I'm like an basics. IT expert now. Yeah. Before we were at 0% after, learned a ton about how they work, why their value is there and why they're building all these different S-curves of growth that just seemed like a really, really sound strategy. Yeah. Um, it's not, I don't. Joe does a wonderful job yeah. explaining yeah. the business and, and why it's hard to it's hard to know why something like this is so special for an outsider who's not in the industry. He does a really good job of painting, I guess, that special sauce. But before we get to the interview, we have a word from our sponsor, our partners. It's quarter. It has been earnings season lately, and I have to say, I've been a. I think I'm an earnings season daily active user. I don't know if I'd call myself a full time DAU, but earnings season. It, it's a easier way to digest conference calls if you're in a bit of a time crunch trying to research or if you are or you like to listen to it audibly instead of reading it. This is the investor relations app for your phone. You can you can even read their conference calls on there. You can I'm listen to them. Yeah, I, I use the I read it on there. That's and I'll tell you what, le- there's been less free sites with the conference call transcripts lately. Quarter's been my outlet for that. That is true. I agree hundred percent with that quarter is the best place. It's an easy, it's an easy uh, product for us to promote because we actually use it every day. It's a hundred percent free. There's also some IR presentations on there for pretty much any company. And if they don't have the company, just recommend it or send it in and they will probably have it up pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, just go ahead, check them out. It's quarter Q U A R T R. So no E at the end. And then you can also follow them on Twitter. Great Twitter account. It's quarter underscore app. I'll say it one more time. Q U A R T R no E go ahead, check them out without further ado. Let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. Today, we are joined for now a second time by Joe Fermansky. He is an investor at NZS Capital. If you listen to the previous Cloudflare episode that I think aired, I want to say three or four weeks ago, this is a part two, a bit of a follow-up and maybe more in-depth conversation. But before we get to some of uh, those more in-depth questions, I wanted you to kind of summarize what we talked about in the first episode and maybe just touch on what Cloudflare is generally. Yeah, and, and thanks for having me back. Um, so when we spoke last time, you know, one of the things that was kind of discussed was what does Cloudflare do? And we, we mentioned one of the better ways of looking at a company like this is to first discuss what they've built and what they're capable of doing. And I think that's really helps frame, you know, the company in, in a broader aspect. So uh, Cloudflare ha- has built this really globally interconnected uh, a network of edge computing using commoditized hardware, connecting it with commoditized networking, fat pipes, if you will, and using software as an overlay to really tie all that together in, a, in an intelligent, programmable way. And, you know, they just recently had their, their investor day and CEO Matt Prince really used a, a term that actually is, is uh, pretty uh, applicable here, which is, you know, they've created what is kind of a quote unquote supercomputer in the sense that, you know, what John Gage from Sun Microsystems back in, in the day would have framed as the network is the computer. Well, they've created the network and the computers. This is one large interconnected network that uh, uses software overlying this, this network and, and edge uh, servers to really create something that can actually be capable of doing a lot. 
additionally, the, the, the this the, this developed uh, network has, as I mentioned, a lot of programmability, a lot of visibility and efficiency, and so it can really del deliver security to everything that travels across that network. Every uh, you know, whether it be your your website or web applications, or whether it be the, your actual uh, network traffic that you're doing. It can also go further and actually become a platform for your edge cloud computing and, 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 and need. And so if we frame it, what they've built this way as a globally interconnected supercomputer, then we can start to imagine what it is capable of. Um, you know, I, you can now make your websites and web applications faster, it's more reliable, more secure. It can serve as a network security and access piece of the zero trust landscape, which we'll go into a little bit more detail on. Uh, it can also replace your own network functions like MLPS and, and become that cloud platform for the edge of your network. And you know that just seems like that's just kind of what they're currently capable of. What they can do in the future, you know, there there definitely seems to be more out there for that. All right, that's a good summary. Um, we're gonna have to help. Uh, I think we're gonna have you go through basically all the, the four acts they outlined. They just did this at their investor presentation. Uh, but we're definitely going to have some maybe follow-ups and clarifying questions. First, maybe what is an MLPS? I think we're going to have a few of those today. What is <laughs> I think a lot of people don't actually know what that is. Yeah, so it, it, we'll get to the MLPS when we get to kind of their third and fourth act. Um, that, but that's part of, you know, connecting. Uh, it's, a, it's a way of connecting branch, net, uh, branch offices or things together in a more dedicated way. And it's it's really been around for a long time. It's very expensive, hard to provision. It is you know uh, it is what it is. It's kind of been the the um, if you will the de facto uh, way of connecting your 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 hub and spoke if you will. Uh, but as time goes on, what we're finding is, is there's new and better ways of doing this, utilizing software. And you know that's where a company like Cloudflare can definitely come in and help. But yeah, why don't we go ahead and kind of go through the the four acts and kind of start off with you know uh, and, and just for the, those listening, they they really phrased their product and services in these four acts to not only kind of uh, kind of segment them into different pieces, but also kind of discuss about them in where they are in their life cycle. Uh, the CEO Matt Prince talked about stacking S curves, and so each of these acts is an S curve. If you think about it, you know, and uh, you know, for those who have read Jeffrey West. You know the life cycle of organisms or organizations or products. You know they all follow kind of a a a, a scale, if you will. And and these S curves, you know where we're at on each S curve is a little bit different. So in Act One, we're kind of in the medius part of that S curve. We're in a part where they've got a lot more penetration. This is you know uh, really contributing a lot to the current revenue and uh, the current business model. And uh, they are continuing to, to innovate upon this act, but there, there's, there's, you know, there, the, the bigger growth drivers are going to be in those next S curves or those next acts that we're going to come up to. So, uh, the, the first act is their application services. This is, you know, where they, you know, all really kind of began for Cloudflare doing DDoS mitigation, uh, their content delivery network services, and the like. And these are software solutions that are uh, there to improve the speed, security, and operability of your website or web-based applications by being the proxy or, or the middleman between the user and the application. Uh, since this is a global network, has educations all over the place, uh, you know, 275 cities and county, which is, is, is really massive, you can apply logic closer to the end user or closer to the application of both. So you can actually... Uh, use this network to be that middleman to serve up these web-based applications in the most efficient way. You can also provide security. You can uh, uh, utilize services like their DDoS or their web application firewalls and intrusion detection and prevention in order to make these web applications work uh, significantly better. Um, like I said, while there, there remains growth ahead, obviously, for Cloudflare in Act 1, in this application services segment, uh, and, and they're continuing to, to innovate on this and add additional features and services, uh, they have a higher penetration here. Um, it, it's difficult to actually say this is the exact penetration they have into this TAM because there's a number of smaller TAMs within it that make it very difficult to to, to calculate. However, you know, as they are much more penetrated here and this is going to continue to drive growth but not necessarily the outsized kind of growth that many investors in Cloudflare have become accustomed to. And so, uh, you know, we'll continue to see them innovate and, and, and 
grow within this. Uh, it's a really good business for them. It gives them a significant amount of visibility into the network, which you know allows them to stack additional S curves. That visibility gives them you know insight into what is the malicious activity occurring across the globe, and how can we tie that into Act Two or Zero Trust services to better secure the users and, and the like down the road. Who who are the main competitors in this in the application services space? Is it just the big cloud providers? Okay, yeah. So the the, the there's a number of uh, competitors that are in uh, this space. A number of them are hardware based. Some of them are software based. You've got companies like uh, Fortinet that is out there, um, Symantec, Imperva. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Cisco is involved. Palo Alto. Uh, a number of these companies have application um, uh, services. We also have some new, more new age companies. Uh, one that comes to mind is Fastly is also uh, heavily invested in application uh, services. So there's a number of different companies out there. Uh, what it comes to being unique about Cloudflare is that. They operate a couple of different things. One, they their way they you know approach the market. They have a free tier for websites so that they can you know continue to get that scale and that visibility. That you know as companies get a chance to try it out, they move on. Not every company will offer that. This is software based, not hardware based. You're not necessarily uh, uh, looking to to put in new uh, hardware equipment into your 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 on prem or off prem data center. Uh, additionally, as we've kind of talked with these various different acts, it's not just a, we just do this one thing and only do this. And so, you know, if you want to do the next thing, you have to, to work with another vendor and somehow get these vendors to tie in together. They actually are more of a platform uh, of services. And so that's kind of what kind of separates them a little bit on the application services. Okay. And is that what you mean by software-based? I know you hit on this before, but like a mm -hmm. software-based network. And is that the key here where they say they have all the hardware, it's a commodity, and then basically mm -hmm. they're just using software to divide, um, I may be using the wrong terminology here, dividing all their compute across everything. Is that the key here compared to someone else? I mean, the software-defined networking uh, overlay over this entire thing is really the special sauce that really kind of ties this entire company together because that allows them to provision their the the bandwidth uh, on the flow. It allows them to uh, tie in programmability. Allows them to do so much more than just you know preset uh, routing tables or or just you kind of utilizing you know as we mentioned earlier MLPS or it, it really allows you to do so much more to take this commoditized hardware and commoditized actual networking that is connecting all this. That software overlay is really what separates Cloudflare from the pack. That's really the special sauce that, that is the company. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? All blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, and I think before we move on to the next step, I want to maybe do one example just to get anyone that's not in IT uh, mm -hmm. Just kind of a a little bit more context of what a Cloudflare, the value Cloudflare is providing with these application services. So you mentioned, uh, I, I in my head I pronounce it as DDoS, but it's DDoS. 
Mm-hmm. That seems like one of the big things. Can you explain kind of what that is? And is that in the security part or the performance part? And why is it so valuable for, a, say, a big enterprise to have? Yeah. So uh, let's just take a, 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 a make a fictitious company and their website. Um, you know, we'll just um, call it chitchat.com. Um, and uh, you know, at chitchat.com, you are uh, you conduct a lot of your customer facing business, for instance. Uh, a DDoS attack or a distributed denial of service is what it stands for. Um, is basically you all of a sudden get pinged a bunch of times. So every time a customer goes to your website. You know, you're running code, and you have servers that are that are supporting that, and you only have so much bandwidth if you to to handle it. So you might provision enough bandwidth for you know when this podcast drops, you have so much bandwidth, and then the next day, it, you know, it goes down. Well, imagine if all of a sudden someone said, "I want to take down their website." What I'm going to do is use uh, bots, and I'm going to actually ping it so many times. I'm going to hit it so many times that the website just can't handle it. it the, 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 the servers just crash because they cannot handle it. Well, what, what Cloudflare does on, on DDoS, or, or and, and, and this is just the, the how most DDoS work, is they can actually see that traffic coming in. Um, they can identify to a certain extent how much of that is, is legitimate or not and try to filter some of that, but they also can uh, route traffic away to other servers and say, hey, this, you know, you're just, this is happening at this point, we can spread this out and try not to take down your single server and, 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 and keep everything up and running. That's just kind of the, the high level. There's a lot more intricacies when you get into it, but that's just kind of the high level of what a DDoS attack is. And this company sits between you, your applicant website, for instance, and the users. And so it can actually manage that. Okay, so it just helps with, quality of performance. And they talk about being the first global supercomputer that kind of caught me off guard because I guess I may, this might, I, I've always wondered if it's going to be a dumb question with Cloudflare, but why isn't AWS or Azure considered this when they seem to have way more scale or is it just a little bit of a different uh, business model? Well, it's a little bit uh, of a different business model. So if you look at it, you're right. When we talk about overall density and size, AWS is, is huge. However, if you look at it with regards to breadth, and, and from that, I mean, AWS, and once again, I can't remember the last number, but I want to say it was somewhere between 100 and 150 different cities, for instance. And in those cities, they may have a whole bunch of different uh, 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 AWS uh, uh, locations. They have multiple reliability zones and the like. Uh, and th- those are all connected to each other uh, with with uh, Cloudflare, they're in 275 cities, so they're much more spread out in, in that uh, uh, instance. And versus AWS, which is kind of more of a closed system where you know it's inside AWS and transferring uh, within AWS. And when you come out of AWS, uh, that's where uh, things kind of then kind of go, if you will, across public channels. Uh, obviously, they have AWS Lambda. They have other options you can kind of do. Uh, you can actually install a client onto your, your you can either host with uh, Cloudflare like you host with AWS, but you can also, uh, if you're a uh, one of their customers in, in Zero Trust, you can have a thin client loaded onto your laptop and that actually provisions straight to a, a, uh, a Cloudflare Edge location. What is and a thin so- client? Sorry, just a you know. <laughs> oh, no problem. And so it's 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 uh, software that's on on in your on your laptop or on your phone, for instance, um, you know, where it basically says, hey, instead of this, you know, we're going to actually route the traffic from here to to us. And and right. the term thin client actually more refers to, you know, how how onerous is it on your your laptop, for instance. Uh, yeah, a thin client is is does its best not to to be too onerous. Obviously. The term is, it, it, there is no uh, measurement to it. So, you know, that's one of the things if actually, as you guys uh, alluded to when we were talking before, you know, they were kind of uh, talking quite a bit about Zscaler and they would, you know, Cloudflare would argue that Zscaler puts a very heavy workload or a heavier client onto your, your, your desktop that makes things run a little bit slower. And then there's a lot more things behind the background. But um, so when we think about the global supercomputer that they're doing, what they're trying to do is 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 interconnect these with the software to find network and kind of being an overlay over the overall internet, not just what's going into their cloud, but 
over the, the broader internet. So, um, it, you know, it is kind of semantics. Um, I would argue that, you know, AWS is in itself a supercomputer and, you know, within that they probably have supercomputers within the supercomputer. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it, I, I did think it was a, a very interesting way of them kind of phrasing, Hey, let's not talk about us. This is an amalgamation of points of presence and network and hardware and whatnot. And think of it really as the network is the computer. And this is just one super network, therefore a supercomputer. All right. Well, if anything, it's good marketing. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic marketing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the second act. I think we covered the application services pretty well. Mm-hmm. This is the zero trust services. Can can you talk about why this is so meaningful for them? Yeah. So I think uh, the the first thing we should probably just touch on real briefly is what is zero trust and what is its role within cybersecurity. So um, for a long time we've been uh, kind of operating under what has been more known as a. Uh, a castle and moat kind of model where uh, you, uh, you you have all your, your users and applications and servers within the four walls of your office. You uh, are now doing business outside of those four walls of the office through the internet. And so you want to put up, if you will, gatekeepers at the, ent- at the entry point and therefore stop any bad actors from coming in. If you stop the bad actors from coming in, once, once, once that traffic is in, it can, it can go wherever it wants. Um, as the world has kind of evolved into more of a you know, work from anywhere, cloud-based uh, kind of uh, society, that model has really become difficult. That perimeter, if you will, around that castle uh, has, has been extended and stretched so much that you just can't really have a gatekeeper at each and every entry, entry and egress point. Additionally, what we've found is bad actors aren't always on the outside of the company. Sometimes they're on the inside of the company. And, and whether it's by design or, or just by accident, you've got traffic leaving the company that needs to be inspected as well. And so zero trust is kind of, uh, you know, which Google uh, and, and Beyond Corp and, and uh, have written this really great way of paper a number of uh, years ago, was you need to really tr- treat everything as a bad actor. Zero trust. Don't trust anything because anything can be, uh, and you know, over a long enough period of time, will be uh, uh, malicious or will will be acting uh, inappropriately. So, uh, with zero trust, you basically can break that down into largely three different pieces. The first piece is identity. So, in, in a zero trust environment, you have to assign every application, every user, every uh, every work function. Everything needs to have really. Its own identity, and and that identity isn't you know Joe uh, employee at NZS Capital. It's Joe investor at NZS Capital, located in the United States, mobile worker. I mean, it's it's a pretty long definition, but every single part of that actually has a, a specific meaning as to what is what is it that that Joe is this particular user, or it could be an application or anything like that. What is it they're allowed to do? What is it allowed to access? What is it they're allowed to um, uh, uh, see and what is the much broader scope of things that he is not allowed to do, and that is a, a very important thing. Uh, beyond that, you have uh, things like endpoint security and something called um, uh, your network security or, or SASE. We kind of mentioned this last time, but um, these two pieces tie very closely into it, which is. You need to have visibility on both the endpoints, whether that be a, a laptop or endpoints can now even mean um, your IoT devices and even your applications, as well as the traffic that's traveling in between uh, in, from point A to point B. You need to have visibility into all of that because it's one thing to say, hey, you know, Joe, blah, 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 he, he's here. But it's another thing to say, hey, why is Joe accessing this from North Korea? Joe doesn't live in North Korea. Joe can't go to North Something's not right. Something has somehow gotten Joe's identity. Stop that. And that's where a company like uh, Cloudflare comes in, is they're on that SASE side or that network security side where they're inspecting that traffic. They're um, uh, seeing how everything is moving and, and the like. And so they have uh, services like Zero Trust Network Access. They have... Um, so they have the ability to inspect all that traffic, see where all that traffic is coming and going. They can uh, allow access uh, through the network 
uh, to uh, a number of different areas. They have been expanding this area. So they've recently acquired and gotten, uh, uh, built out their cloud access security broker. They've also tied in additional areas or different uh, additional threat vectors. They just acquired area one, which is their email uh, side of things, which they're kind of tying into their zero trust services. And this is a very big uh, a, a TAM for them, if you will. It's a very fast growing area where uh, we're seeing a lot of companies really adopt the zero trust. And a company like Cloudflare is a vital part of that alongside with the identity guys like Okta and CyberArk and SailPoint, um, as well as the endpoint guys like uh, CrowdStrike and Sentinel One. In the metaverse, doctors will practice surgeries hundreds of times before operating on real patients. The metaverse may be virtual, but the impact will be real. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, so those kind of, yeah. All right, that's how they fit in, I guess. It's, mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense. And they call out, and now I guess we want to hit competition for this. They mm -hmm. call it Zscaler a lot in their investor presentation. Um, I guess maybe what are the other competitors as well? And why is Cloudflare solution better? Does it come back to that software enabled supercomputer, um, if I'm describing it correctly? Well, I mean, uh, so there are a number of competitors. You've got um, really the, the two biggest competitors that I would highlight, uh, one being more of a quote unquote legacy company that is really, uh, really adopting zero trust and transitioning away from kind of that legacy firewall model, which is Palo Alto Networks. Um, they're they're expanding uh, heavily in this. They've been um, making acquisitions and developing their own zero trust uh, side of things. They also are a, kind of a quote unquote one stop shop because they, they do have their own endpoint offering as well. And then you have a company like Zscaler, who is you know a, a newer company that actually uh, actually has built their zero trust cybersecurity model very similar to that of of Cloudflare. To be to be honest. Um, the differences between the companies, you know, they can get kind of nuanced. Uh, when you look at a company like Palo Alto, and let's just put their firewall business aside and, and the role that would potentially play with, with also selling zero trust, uh, they're built on top of AWS, is my understanding. And with that, there's certain limitations that they don't necessarily, or things they don't have. They don't have the same visibility in, you know, of, of traffic within AWS as, as maybe a, a Cloudflare or Zscaler has. Um, you know, in their, their uh, co-location or their peering points. Um, additionally, uh, with, with Palo Alto Networks, their, uh, th those locations aren't as dispersed. Uh, as we talked, you know, uh, AWS is a behemoth, but they're not necessarily the edgiest of edge, if you will. They're not as close to some customers. So there is that, uh, you know, potential difference between them and Zscaler and Cloudflare. With regards to Zscaler, once again, with something we talked about is kind of, you know, what they do, they just do, uh, they just do cybersecurity. They don't do, you know, as we'll get into Acts 3 and 4, the network and the, the, uh, the you know, cloud platform uh, side of things. Uh, that focus has allowed them to be, uh, they're a market leader. In, in this space and have been doing uh, very, very well. Um, but I, I, Cloudflare will say, hey, what we did was we took, you know, we're doing the same thing, but we're trying to make it much easier to provision, much easier to do. As, as someone that's helped set up one of these, it can be a, a real bear just to get uh, one of these SASE networks, whether it's Zscaler or, or the like, set up and up and running and, and working effectively. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of, uh, of, of poking and prodding and, and maintenance. And Cloudflare said, hey, we're going to try to make this as easy as possible to drive that adoption, drive that self-service adoption and, and make the users like it. And there's a number of other things, you know, Cloudflare, you know, since they have a lot of big uh, emphasis on making things run more efficiently, the belief, and, and I don't necessarily have the numbers to back this up, so take this with a grain of salt, but what they will say is they can actually, when they when you're running uh, their zero trust services, they're actually making your overall uh, experience better because they're speeding things up because of the way their network is set up. Whereas the, the argument, at least Matt Prince would say, Zscaler is slowing you down as you do it now. I, you know, first off, how how much, if, if any, is 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 uh, still up for debate? But you know, that's that's kind of the differences between you know the the, the leading uh, legacy guy Palo Alto and the leading uh, you know new age guy, if you will, Zscaler. Okay, and I think last question on zero trust, unless Ryan has one more. Do you think? 
And this might be a tougher question for you to answer. So maybe does Cloudflare think that the all software applications, all websites, anything connected to the internet will need to adopt zero trust eventually? And how big is that opportunity? I think the answer is yes. I, I mean, I, I'm a little uh, biased here, and I do believe that zero trust is 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 really all it's cracked up to be. Um, so take that, that with a grain of salt. But uh, with zero trust, you're you're taking it not only for the users, if you will. What we're finding is a significant amount of traffic is done by APIs, or basically computers talking to computers, not not necessarily users really doing anything, or applications more specifically talking to applications, and that that communication can also lead to one big blind spot for a lot of, of companies. And so if you don't actually have some kind of zero trust network visibility, even on your applications, uh, you know, just let's just take an example. If your, uh, and if your website is taking a, a, an order from a payment system, there's an API that's tying those two in. If you're not, you know, if you don't have any visibility over that communication and something is starting to, to be malicious or, or something bad is happening there, you're, you're in the dark until it's too late. And so uh, ascribing this zero trust to IoT, so, you know, your printer, if you will, you know, there's a story that, you know, a fish tank was a, uh, a, a way a hacker got into a, a computer because it was connected by Wi-Fi to, to the servers. You know, if you don't have all this stuff set up in a zero trust framework you and you don't have the visibility into that network, then, yeah, you're going to have a problem. So I do see this being, a, you know, everything kind of being adopted into zero trust. We're seeing a lot of government uh, involvement here. You're seeing the SEC and even the White House is, is really pushing uh, to say, hey, we want our vendors, we want our partners to be looking at zero trust. And so it seems to definitely be the way of the future. I think we're, we're starting to reach escape velocity there. The only other thing I'd ask on this front is you mentioned the Area 1 acquisition. Is that mm -hmm. uh, significant? And maybe could you explain what that is? Yeah, so Area 1 is email um, email security. And there I would you know liken them to that of a Mindcaster proof point. Um, I have not had the opportunity to actually uh, to, to use Area 1, so I can't necessarily comp uh, compare and contrast that versus that of Mindcast. But what we still do see is that email is one of the most popular and prevalent threat vectors in security. Phishing scams are happening. I, I think uh, just recently, um, Seth Green lost uh, some of his board apes uh, because of a, of a phishing scam. And, right. and so... That's a huge, it's huge. It happens so often, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, my understanding is that, uh, you know, Cloudflare had been using an, uh, a couple of different ones. They started using Area 1, found it to be really, really, uh, really good, really easy to use. And it just was one of those things that said, hey, this is so, so great. We need to share this with the rest of our uh, customers, with the, the rest of the world that isn't using this. We're going to uh, acquire these guys, stand them up within the organization and move forward. So email is very, very big. It continues to be a big uh, area. Um, you know, there's always the discussion is, you know, a lot of email is hosted either by uh, Microsoft or Google, you know, what's their role within this. Uh, but one thing we, we've noticed is that, you know, a, a really high quality cybersecurity isn't easy to do. It's not a flip of the switch. And as, uh, additionally, you know, if you start doing that, if Google says, hey, we're going to be, we're going to protect against everything, then they're opening themselves up to, to, to having to deliver on things that is very difficult to deliver on. I guess one last question. How are they, how is Cloudflare selling, how are they selling all these products? Is it all sort of one uh, bundle, I guess, of all these different <laughs> services or do you, you can like buy different ones? How does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they have, uh, these four acts actually tie in very well. If you you know if you go to the website, you can actually see under their 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 pricing how they actually kind of have these all set up. And so, application services, for instance, is quote unquote a bundle, and there's different tiers from a free tier to a you know twenty dollars a month kind of tier to a, you know enterprise tier, which is more uh, custom built annually. Um, then you have the zero trust, and then you have network services and developer platform, which we'll get into those. And so there there are um, different tiers of bundles within these different acts, if you will, uh, with additional add-ons you can get. Um, a lot of their business model is self-serve um, or direct. 
And so um, either you go to their website or they have a sales team that's calling out to you. One thing that uh, Matt highlighted during the uh, investor day was one of the areas that they're lacking and, and it, is, it, it is very apparent is they don't have a very extensive uh, partner ecosystem or working with those managed service providers that are helping you know, medium and large size companies actually integrate some of this stuff. And, you know, this isn't the easiest thing to want to even explain, nonetheless actually put implement. Uh, and so there's a number of companies out there that want to adopt your trust, for instance, that are sitting there saying, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the, the chops. I can't, you know, it's really hire, hard to hire IT sec uh, people. They're, they're in high demand, very scarce asset. And so that's one area that they lack because they don't really utilize the channel partner network nearly as much as, a, say, a Zscaler uh, or a Palo Alto does. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right, let's move to Act 3. Um, this is kind of the one there, I believe, at the start of the S-curve, and that is called Workers. Uh, it's a pretty broad definition, so maybe uh, <laughs> describe what this is. Yeah, no, you're right. So, you know, if, if Act one were in the kind of the top third of the S-curve and then Act 2 were in the middle to, to one third point. This one, yeah, we're definitely in the early stages uh, on, on the, the, the low end of that S-curve. And so Workers is their serverless cloud platform. Uh, Workers was actually announced initially as you know their edge compute part of the business uh, back in 2017, I believe. Uh, was in beta and now that's that's out and currently it's you know it's it's not in, in beta you can actually go up and you can either uh, try to deploy uh, you know write applications and deploy code at the edge of the network for free uh, they actually have uh, also a paid tier. They've also realized that this is going to need to be a bigger platform than just writing code at the edge, um, which requires a number of different things, including storage, including database, including a number of different pieces. And so they've actually been um, bolstering or broadening this platform. They they announced R2, which is their object storage. It's a S3 compatible service uh, to storage large amounts of, of unstructured data with no egress fees. And that, that last word egress fees is really the big part because every time you take data out of S3, you actually have to pay. Oh, um, can we describe, uh, define S3? Because I know it's really important to this overall industry. Yeah, so S3 is Amazon's um, uh, data storage. And with that, uh, you know, once again, you know, it's, you know, if you have this large amount of data uh, that you have stored with Amazon, you know, if you're having to pull that out as Amazon for, you know, one reason or another, every time you take it out, you, there's there's an egress fee, there's a fee to, to do that. Um, some applications are constantly pulling data in and out. And so those egress fees can become much more expensive than just the actual cost of, of actually having your data with, with Amazon. And so R2 is, you know, in, in, in the most simplistic way of talking about it is it's kind of a cache where it's a, it's a local storage where as that data comes out of S3, some parts of that data is stored at the edge before it goes back in. So that if you have to access that again, you can access it quickly without actually having to go back and pull it out of S3. And therefore you're not having to pull all those egress fees. And so for applications that require that, that constant uh, heavy touch of that data, this is a huge money saver for them. And so that was kind of a, when they announced that, that was kind of the, the big foray or the big, you know, uh, shot across the bow saying, hey, we're getting into the, we're going to become not just this edge compute, we're going to be an edge cloud platform. That was kind of the, the, the telltale sign that they were moving in that direction. Uh, obviously, there's there's still more that they have to do. They, they just announced D1, which is at their SQL database. Um, they've promised a D2, which you got to love that they're going to have R2 and D2. So there's, you know, for the Star Wars nerds like me, we're, you know, it's going to get a chuckle out of that. But there's a number of different uh, pieces. Some of it's going to be developed. Some of it's going to be uh, partnered. Um, you know, there's definitely database companies out there that are absolutely fantastic. They can tie into that. You know, maybe Cloudflare isn't going to improve upon what they've done. So they'll definitely look at partnering in this to create basically a you're really an edge platform, an edge cloud uh, platform, much similar to that of uh, an AWS, if you will, or a GCP or an Azure, uh, but just more located towards the edge. And, and with that, that, that they can try to fulfill their, their dream of being the fourth major cloud provider. Okay, and they talk about getting to 1 million people adopting it. That's kind of a milestone for them. <laughs> How close are they? And what is the significance of that? Is that just kind of having similar to, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of a company, one of those um, open source companies, but I don't think 
I don't think, I think this is a little different, but is that just the significance of people working on products for you or adding stuff on top of this serverless cloud platform? Is that what it is? And I guess just why the 1 million as the goal? So, I mean, 1 million is, is, you know, the, a big, large round number that, uh, you know, sounds very good and, 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 you know, really will deliver on, you know, a lot of what they promised, but, you know, they, they actually spent a lot of time talking about, you know, uh, how you know they, they've learned looked at these platforms they've looked at azure and aws and all that and and and, and spent a lot of time trying to learn you know what is it going to take for something like this to to really reach escape velocity and and with that what they're what they're saying is, is you know it's these these networks really need to feed on each other and you need that first killer app to to kind of get going to, to showcase the need. And then you need employees that really built on top of workers that made that first killer app to go start their own companies. And then you, you get this, this flywheel of, it becomes this platform effect where you're just building more and more. And so when they talk about 1 million developers uh, or they talk about, you know, most platforms take seven to 10 years to develop, uh, to get to that scale where they're actually, they're, they're, they're an integral part of the overall developer network. That's what they're they're looking at is really getting to a point where enough has been developed on this that this is becoming an integral function of or an integral platform that a lot of developers are on top of. And so, you know, we're in year maybe two uh, of 10, and they're really trying to, you know, they're they're really wanting to get more developers on there, uh, broaden the services to make it a more of a complete solution so that you can start to developing and get scale and get that 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 uh breakaway effect. That is, once a platform gets big and everyone starts using it, it, it becomes just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so they're still in early, early days, but that's kind of the, the thought behind the 1 million developers is, you know, you hit 1 million developers, you you've ex, you reach escape velocity on this platform. Gotcha. I, th- I think you may have kind of just answered it, but what is the value of the free tier here? Is it that you're, you're able to reach escape velocity faster? Yeah, I mean, so the free tier, and they operate a free tier in almost every uh, one of their acts, if you will. Um, it, it 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 serves a number of different functions, and it's it's it is a really uh, smart move by Cloudflare. You know, in in the application side, it gives them visibility into more and more just network traffic. Uh, with workers, it's it's a way of you know they have now a large group of people that can be beta testers that they can work on you know iterations of workers, iterations R two, iterations of different things. They also have people that are doing this maybe as, you know, hey, I only have so much of an IT budget at this corporation. I'm going to sign up for this free tier. I'm going to give this a try and see how our application would work on a Cloudflare, uh, Cloudflare's platform. And I don't have to run that by, you know, my IT budget. Not, you know, I can, I can just give it, I can test it. I can use it as kind of a learning experience. And then once they, they end up uh, uh, using it and liking it, they can either use it within their own organization broaden that out or they can be they can take it out elsewhere they can be the evangel evan i don't want to say uh, evangelical yes they yeah that's another word to say we got i yeah. think everyone gets what you mean <laughs> yeah so they can go out there and they can say hey look at this this is great i've used this it. a fantastic product so that free tier to your point that's that's the, the, the what it how it serves and and it'll definitely help grow that that ecosystem okay one product i think i was perusing their product swing some of that kind of shot out to me was this thing that i didn't really know what it meant it said extending cloudflare for SaaS to end customers and it sounded like that was an expansion of their strategy i don't know if that's something that uh maybe i was just looking at the product suite like how what do they maybe mean by that is it like bringing say their security stuff to joe's giving us a confused face so it yeah, sounds like no no, no i no, I, I think you're. I think you're maybe potentially talking about the cloud, the cloud access security broker, or basically based. That kind of goes back to that act too of basically saying, oh, "Hey, what we're going to be able to do is you're using SaaS software. That's that's an application that's out there, and we're going to be the the connective tissue, and we're going to actually through zero trust, we're going to actually identify, hey, those SaaS services out there, we're going to be able to connect it directly into those." and and help with that zero trust network access and that it, it serves as a cloud access security broker in there i believe okay. that's what it was i i didn't i didn't quite catch that one particular uh that statement i'm sorry 
No, sorry. There, they have so many. They have so many different yeah. parts. Hard to, <laughs> yeah, is there I anything mean, else it, that you think is important for the Workers Act that we didn't touch on? I mean, I, I think that the, the important thing is, is, you know, when when the company talks and they, they highlighted their their areas for potential incremental growth outside of their current team, I, I think it highlights that this is an early, early stage um, uh, product. We've talked about it. it's in the very nascent stages of the, the S-curve. They're really trying to build scale. And so, you know, and the other thing is, is, you know, you need that killer that killer app really that says, Hey, being at the edge is, is, you know, truly something else. And they're starting to get some traction there. They're starting to get some stuff, but it's still really early days. Okay. Let's move on to act four then. And that is network services or TBD. I know that they, I don't think they explicitly named it, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. We don't have any notes for this one because it is so early stage, but maybe speculate on, or kind of what they've said on what this could be and why it could be so meaningful. Yeah. So, you know, uh, like, yeah, you're right. It's still in development. Um, and they, they kind of uh, implied that this could be more of that network as a service kind of situation. So if, you know, uh, if Cloudflare can replace your, your, your networking hardware and actually become much more of your, your communications platform, it's something that can actually, you know, really be directing all the traffic and then and running that. And there you think of things like, could it replace MLPS? Um, could the, you know, and utilize things like SD-WAN capabilities and could Cloudflare really replace some of these companies and, and go down that, uh, that path. Um, there's also, they're talking about in their, in their early stages of doing Cloudflare offices, which is actually quote unquote, co-locating Cloudflare point of presence into your multi-tenant office building. So you're actually connected right into the Cloudflare network right from the get-go. And so, you know, is that going back to on-prem then kind of, is that what that means? Kind of. Yeah. And so basically, you know, in Cloudflare offices, you know, it's a situation that if your office is connected directly into that, you're no longer maybe communicating with a, with an ISP, Cloudflare is doing that for you. You're just now a Cloudflare customer instead of a Comcast customer. Now, obviously Cloudflare may be a customer of Comcast, you know, in your stead and that, circumstance, but Cloudflare offices and kind of extending that point of pressure or that edge really directly into your office building and allows them to to really take that networking services a step further. And that's a a potential really interesting, very large um, market that they can go after uh, down the road. Still a lot of development there. That's, you know, they they kind of hinted toward that, but however, I'm not going to go out and say, hey, this is act four, because maybe that's just part of really just their, you know, all of the three previous acts that we just discussed. And there's another act four that we, we can't even imagine at this point. And what, okay, what are some of the companies that they would be just potentially disrupting if you're correct on where this is going? And is this more, and this is, is this competing and maybe probably not disrupting, but more competition with AWS and Microsoft and Google, or is that a totally different thing? You know, I, I think it would be more in a competition with your companies like AT&T and some of your telecom uh, providers in the fact that they're saying, hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to connect into the office of the basement. Uh, you know, maybe they, they're in more co- uh, competition with a company like Cogent. Um, and so, you know, it's it's difficult to say exactly where, because for all we know, they actually may partner with those companies because at the end of the day, those companies still have the very valuable fiber coming into your office. Um, so it, it could be not necessarily a direct competition. Maybe it's more of a, uh, a partnership going forward with some of those players. All right. And is there anything, I guess, that you're, you follow the company closely mm-hmm. and you see we're on this, I don't know, they're saying this is act four. Is there anything maybe reading through the tea leaves you think could be coming down that could be important for this? An act five? Well, maybe not within the act four. <laughs> the, 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 there's going to be, products, yeah. you know, it, it, you know, uh, it, I, I, I'm sure if you were to ask, uh, ask, uh, uh Matt or Michelle over at Cloudflare, they, they would say that, that there's there's going to be more acts uh, coming down the line. Um, you know, it's one of those things that once once they've got to, to workers and started doing network services, you know, it, it, there's a number of areas where they can expand within these acts. But it, when we start thinking about additional acts, it, it's kind of hard to conceive. Uh, however, it's 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 one of those things that limits the imagination to a certain degree. If if they're in your office and they are directing and monitoring all traffic of the internet 
there's a lot of things you can do within with as that traffic is flowing. And so um, it, it's difficult to, to, to conceive, but at the same point in time, I, you know, the pace at which these guys are continued to innovate is, is something special. And so I, I, I can't read between the tea leaves because by the time the tea leaves are out, they've already moved on to the next thing. They, they, they move so fast. So. All right. And the, it's, you mentioned this already, but the true end game is to be, as competitive with AWS and a lot of their products or Azure or Google cloud, correct? That's kind of the, the end goal that's stated. I mean, that, that's, that's definitely part of it. I don't know if I would say the end goal because, you know, once again, they're doing zero trust, which isn't necessarily something that you see Azure or AWS okay. doing. So they, they, their end goal is to make the internet faster, better, and secure. I mean, that's a really broad topic and of which the cloud computing is, a, is one of the big behemoths in that. And so definitely, you know, in that act three, when we look at that, the, the workers, that serverless cloud platform, that is going to be in competition. But I, and once again, I think, as I mentioned last time, it's not probably a, a either or. It's not going to be if Cloudflare, you know, is successful, AWS has to die. It's most likely these will both grow substantially into the future um, should the cloud transition continue to go, which, you know, many, many people, including myself, believe it will. Okay. Before we get to the financial update, we've talked. Uh, I, I'm I'm imp I'm impressed with Cloudflare overall, and it sounds like they innovate really quickly. And there's a lot of things going right for them. And I may have asked a question along these lines in the first episode, but what is wrong with Cloudflare? Is there anything <laughs> that like could stop them from continuing to grow? I mean, so the, as we kind of discussed last time, and, and they're, they're generally the same. One is they're going, as you guys can tell, a number of different directions at once. And when you do that, you, you put strain on any any network, you put strain on any Salesforce, you put strain on any kind of R&D department. And, and so, you know, it's a situation that they can continue to go all these different directions, yet not, not fulfill the promises of of one or more and you know versus a company that is much more focused on just application services or just focused on zero trust or just focused on the cloud you know they can divert all their resources all their mind uh, time to, to to delivering that product to the market in the best way possible when you're doing all these you know uh, you know uh, matt and michelle and the leadership team are, are getting pulled a number of different directions and we get pulled you know you know, something could slip through the track, the cracks. And that's where the emphasis really has to be on the corporate structure, the, the way that they, they uh, you know, have a distributed um, decision-making process. You know, they have to have the right corporate structure in place in order to do something like this. Uh, another area is, as we've kind of already discussed, is, you know, they're not going out into it. They're not creating a new market. Let me take that back. They are creating a new market on the, the surveillance edge, I would, I would argue, but, um, they're going up against some really big, really well-established companies. We've mentioned AWS. We've mentioned Azure, which, you know, to be perfectly honest, in, in certain aspects, some of these companies are also partnering with them. You know, Microsoft uh, is, is rumored to be working with them on some uh, some stuff for their, their, their Edge browser. Um, but you're going up also against Google Cloud. You're going up against uh, Palo Alto Networks. You're going up against Cisco. You're going up against some just really big established companies that are, are frankly, are very good at what they do. And so when you have competition and that competition gets a, you know, a fire lit underneath them, do they get their act together and do they start saying, hey, we can create an as good of product and, and suck some of that air out of the room? And so that's, that's the, really the two areas that, that, that you know, the company could, could fall short. All right, let's go to valuation Q1 results. Um, I guess just any update on that. Uh, I know they had their, they just put out their numbers after we, recorded they did their ir presentation and mm -hmm. uh like a lot of uh, SaaS stocks i think it got it might have gotten cut in half almost since we were <laughs> i mean uh if not very close um and so you know the, the they reported uh in, in their first quarter numbers and uh their first quarter numbers really came out uh, quite well the growth was actually uh, uh you know above uh, consensus i believe the growth came in um north of 50 percent again and you know they forecasted to better than expected growth. Um, the company was break even, and uh, uh, on, on the operating line, which is kind of where they're they're looking at maybe a slight loss. And 
you know, so between what they reported and their guidance, it was really quite good. However, the, the stock actually had a really rough day that day, largely because we're in an environment where, hey, this company, yeah, you're growing really well, but where's the cash flow? Where is the free cash at this point? And obviously a company at the life cycle that Cloudflare is in, you know, they're, they're spending all their incremental cash, you know, they, they generate something around 75, 77% gross margins. All of that money is going to sales and marketing. All that money is going to research and development. All that money is going to building out their network and adding new points of presence. And so they're not, they're not really showing or delivering any, uh, any operating profit at this point. So like the, the wider swath of software companies or companies that are growing very fast, but aren't necessarily generating uh, operating income or free cash flow. They, they've definitely uh, taken their lumps over, over the last uh, uh, number of quarters. And um, if my memory serves me right, I believe we're sometime, somewhere around 17 times today. And I want to say when we were talking, it was uh, 17 times sales. And I want to say last time we spoke, we were north of 30 times sales. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, you know it, it's only been a handful of weeks, but it, it definitely has been, you know, uh, uh, part of the market that is that is generating that free cash flow has been under significant pressure. And I think I have two questions here. First one, I'll let you hit the first one first. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people expect their revenue to grow at a really high rate for a long time. I guess, mm-hmm. what are your, maybe, I know you can't pinpoint it exactly, but what kind of are your broad expectations? Is this, you know, or can this grow at 30% revenue for a decade or is that maybe too overly optimistic? Um, it's because it seems like they have that, they've been able to escape the, I don't know, when someone kind of comes back to, you know, GDP growth or whatever um, <laughs> everyone talks about with that reversion to the mean, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and uh, uh, to be perfectly frank, I, I am the last person that can ever uh, say I can predict the future and, and tell you what a company is going to be able to grow out over the next decade. Um, but what, what I can say is, you know, it, it, you know the, the stacking S curves, as Matt highlights, is going to be very important if they do want to. Uh, deliver on that 30% kind of revenue growth over a decade. And let's also keep in mind, I can't think of any company that um, has grown at, a, at that level, at least once they've hit a certain uh, thresholds. I mean, you're talking, if they did that, they'd be going for going, you know, becoming a $10 billion revenue company. Not unheard of, but I mean, it's, I mean, it, it isn't like a walk in the park uh, <laughs> by any means to, to cager revenue at 30%. Very few, if any, have actually done that. So it's going to be imperative to, to stack those escrows and deliver on escrows that you've launched and this TAM that you've, you've, uh, you know, you've expanded from 32 uh, 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 billion to, you know, something they project somewhere north of 130 billion, that you can actually penetrate into those, those TAMs. That's going to be, you know, hugely important if they do want to, to hit those kind of numbers. What second one, when should we expect the operating leverage to kick in or is that something that's unknowable and really, really not something you're focusing on? Well, I mean, that, that that's an excellent question. And I think that's a question that a lot of investors are asking at this point in time. So I think the first thing to, to acknowledge is that, you know, the, the company is currently uh, right around uh, break-even. I think their, their non-GAAP operating margin was around 2% in the first quarter. Uh, they've talked about the second half of this year being um, free cash flow positive. Obviously, that's um, not including stock-based compensation, but um, still, uh, it is a positive cash flow uh, figure. Their long-term model, obviously, is they 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 do believe this uh, model with those seventy-five to eighty percent gross margins can yield something like a twenty percent operating margin. And and so, you know, the question is, is you know, as you, you've asked, is you know, what's that trajectory between here and there? When when do we see that inflection? And it's very difficult because if they continue to add new acts, new S curves, they're going to have to continue to invest in in, in delivering that. Um, if their pace of innovation slows down, maybe they can actually see that that uh, inflect uh, sooner uh, rather than later. However, you know it, there, there's still a lot of wood to chop. So I don't I, I don't know when they'll they'll generate a, a, a positive earnings. Um, I, the company will has clearly stated that it's not in their near term forecasts, um, but the, the ability is definitely there down the road. Do you have any more questions? Uh, I think I was going to ask. I think you hit this, but is the moat in the bundle? Is that something important for investors to think about? Of all these bundled products for a big enterprise. 
I, you know, I think, and I, I wouldn't necessarily term it in, in put it in the terms of mode. I put it in the terms of they are providing a lot more value than they're necessarily taking out. So the free tier that is hugely valuable, but what they're doing is is they're they're making um, you know application services zero trust, you know uh, potentially their cloud platform and, and network security and so on and so forth. They're making it very accessible to to people, making it very simple highly effective uh, way of, of, of conducting business over the internet. And that's what they want to do. They want to deliver a lot more value than they necessarily reap out of the system. And that's that's a, a situation that the customers and companies really highly value, especially as we, we've now realized that the critical infrastructure of any company today is really, you know, really on top of their IT uh, infrastructure as well as their, their human capital. Those are those are huge crit- critical infrastructures for every company today, and this company plays a key role on that IT stack. In other words, it's a non-zero sum business. <laughs> you said it, not yes. me. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Um, what's uh, for any new listeners? Where can they kind of keep up with you? Is there a good place to maybe uh, see any of your work? Well, uh, you know, we we publish uh, almost everything that uh, uh, we really kind of think about or talk about, uh, whether it be in our weekly Satal Weekly or on our website, nzscapital.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Joe underscore uh, Fermansky. However, I, I, I'm more of a, 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 a passive bystander uh, there. So, um, but yeah, I would direct people towards either the, our weekly or the, or the website to, to read up. Perfect. All right. Well, maybe there will be a part three somewhere in the future. <laughs> but <laughs> it's for, such a complicated company. But I yeah. think this time we got it way. I, I, from what I think me and Ryan, uh, me and Ryan's perspective, we understand it so much more. So I think the listeners probably got a lot of progress there as well. Well, I, I hope so. All right. Well, that's going to do it. I want to hit the disclosure here. Brett and I are not financial advisors. So anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital. So clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Joe for coming on again. We'll see you next time. 